on the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry. I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Irokti, a yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, on Kestian Echo. Vientolum againom Griv, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Indo Daily. Marian Miracle or Mass Hysteria, Ireland's Moving Statues Phenomenon. It was the year of our Lord, 1985. In the Soviet Union, Mikhail Gorbachev had just taken power. Get used to the name, Mikhail Gorbachev. According to at least normal life expectancy, Gorbachev should have plenty of time to put his mark on Soviet affairs. In London and Philadelphia, Live Aid concerts raised over $50 million for famine relief in Ethiopia. And here in Ireland, well, our statues started moving. At Cratlow in County Clare, as in dozens of other sites around Ireland, hundreds have been flocking to pray and stare since the statue was first reported to have moved. Several people now claim to have seen the statue move. On um, Thursday night, I saw a lady sway forward until I thought that the statue would fall down. And then on Friday night, I saw a lady's face change the face of our Lord. But um, when she appeared in the moon on Tuesday night, um, people saw her lips move to faith and hope. Yes, 1985 was certainly a year to remember around the world, but perhaps one we'd rather forget. I'm Siobhan Maguire, and joining me today to discuss our very own cultural cringe, the year of moving statues, is Sunday Independent columnist Liam Collins. Suffered under Pontius I think it's the second knock or a second Lourdes. One lady got her hearing back after 33 years. She heard the bells of the Angelus being sung here. Then there was another gentleman who had a stroke. Uh, six or seven weeks prior to his coming here and uh, he said he saw a lady come out towards him and uh, he got um, some beautiful feeling and his he had been paralysed on one side and he walked away a perfect man. Liam, why was Ireland in 1985 a nation both figuratively and literally on its knees? Well, the main reason was um, moving statues. Statues of the Virgin Mary were moving all over the country. And uh, most of these had been installed on uh, public 
places uh, during the Marian year of 1954. And, you know, for decades, they had been kind of well-maintained, and uh, but they were just there. They're a big deal locally, you know, you bring the flowers, you say your little prayer. I mean, goodness, on, on May Day, I mean, they're decorated beyond decorated. Yeah, particularly in May. I mean, that was the, 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 the Marian the month. And uh, yeah, school kids would bring flowers and put them in front of the statues and people would pray. But they weren't, um, like, they were just there until 1985, it just all changed. Since the first reported sightings of moving statues in SD and Balance Spittle, there have been claims of apparitions, movements, and even spoken messages from most parts of the country. And happenings of all kinds are being reported almost daily now. Can I ask you actually for a bit of context? What was our relationship with the church at that time, Liam? Yeah, 90, around 1985, I think the cracks were beginning to appear. But... I mean, the churches were still full on a Sunday. There was masses, four or five masses in a lot of big churches. There was evening masses. Um, and there was even one at nine o'clock in some places for those who were out all day at sporting events or whatever. So there was a lot of, uh, not religious fervor. I think a la carte kind of Catholicism was beginning to creep in. People were accepting bits and not accepting other bits of the church's teaching. But certainly, most the most uh, Catholic families still went to Mass on a Sunday. It was as natural as brushing your teeth. Yes. Again. That's it, what I remember. It was, and, and people were proud of uh, the fact that, uh, you know, that they still maintained the old religion and that it was very strong. But there, there were signs, I think, uh, of the divisions that were were beginning to open up in society. Gareth Fitzgerald was a Taoiseach and, and he had embarked on what he called um, a constitutional crusade. And basically, this was to introduce certainly contraception into Ireland. And it's, it's hard looking back from, from where we are today, you know, at how divisive uh, that actually was. I mean, um, Desi O'Malley was expelled from Fianna Fáil in, in that year of 1985 because he wouldn't vote against um, the government's uh, contraceptive legislation, which um, meant contraceptives were only available by prescription through chemist shops. I mean, it's, it sounds ludicrous today when everybody, women can get them free, you know. Archbishop uh, McNamara in, in Dublin was, was railing against, you know, the anti-family policies of the government and, you know, his, his, his um, sermons, anti-divorce sermons were getting, making front page news in, in Ireland. Now, you mentioned the Marian year in the 50s and, you know, the, the real devotion to Mary, uh, the Virgin Mary, um, mother of Jesus Christ. And growing up, my recollections, Liam, of that period in the 80s was that Mary could do no wrong. She was first and foremost, you know, the number one person that you'd, you'd say a prayer to. And we even had like, we had form, didn't we? We had like the likes of Knock, where she would have appeared uh, many, many decades previously. During the course of an average year, more than one million people come to visit a tiny village in the west of Ireland. 
They come with their rosary beads and prayer books day after day and week after week to pray at the little church on the hill. The name of the village is Knock, and it's here that a strange event took place on a rainy August evening 100 years ago. Yes, there, there, there were these apparitions um, <clears throat> that were celebrated, but they were, um, I mean, there was Knock, Fatima, Lourdes, and uh, later Medjugorje in, in Yugoslavia. And, you know, there was an annual pilgrimage from every diocese in Ireland to Knock and to Lourdes and sometimes Fatima, depending on their preference of the, probably the preference of the priest or the bishop. But they were, they were slightly different to what began to unfold in 85, in that these were places where people actually had um, claimed to have seen the Virgin Mary and claimed to have had messages from her. There was um, a famous incident, I probably digressing slightly, but a, a plane was hijacked um, and Albert Reynolds was Minister for Transport and He's it the the hijacking was was the hijacker was talked down, but he got the plane to Paris, and uh, when Albert was asked uh, what why he hijacked the the plane, uh, the, he answered that he wanted to know the third secret of Fatima. The hijacked Saint Ita had been on the tarmac at the 2K for six hours when Minister Albert Reynolds arrived from Dublin at half eight last night. Fifty minutes later, we were told an ambulance was to take a sick woman from the plane. And using this diversion, French paratroops rushed through the rear exits of the plane, overpowering the hijacker. So it yeah. was that kind of thing. Everybody knew Knock, they knew Fatima, they knew Lourdes, and they knew the names of the saints Bernadette, who had seen the apparition Lourdes, and the girls in, in Knock. So there was all this background uh, and this, as you say, the, the veneration of Our Lady and there were priests and uh, and religious people who had a very, very strong affinity with Our Lady. Even, you know, almost, it was almost a cult-like yeah. status within the Catholic Church. Yeah. And so when we talk about these visions and apparitions that started to pop up in various grottos across the country in 1985, Liam, the big one was in Ballinaspital in Cork, and we can come back to that later. But prior to that, I mean, even from as early as March in 1985, we were having reports and sightings from places like Kerry. Yeah, there was... um I think in late February and early March, there was uh, this three three young girls were playing in in the churchyard in a, in a village called Asti, and uh, there was obviously there there was a statue of the Virgin Mary, and they claimed that it moved. Elizabeth Flynn is seven years old and was the first to say she saw the figures move. And who went in with you? Shilky and John Lockhart. And uh, what happened when you went in? And I see and Joan went down the chapel and I was coming up. And then I and then I was praying to two statues and, uh, our, and our Lord bit them to me. You were praying to the two statues? And what, what prayer were you saying? I was in the Mary. They told the local teacher. He obviously told the priest and it was put about. And it showed the power of, uh, the power of, um, you know, just people talking to each other because 
hundreds of people began to 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 descend on the on Asti, and um, within two weeks there, there there were media reports catching up with it, and and thousands were beginning to. And this was a small village in County Kerry, and I suppose. It just became infectious then. Um, if you look at over over that summer, I mean, there were sightings of uh, statues moving in Cork and Sligo, Kilkenny, near Mount Mellory and Waterford. And, you know, people were just anxious. They were they were going there in their droves to to watch this phenomenon and see it for themselves. I visited the grotto, and after reciting the rosary with my family, I hung on the grotto and I saw Our Lady as a real person, moving her head and smiling. And I thought I was imagining things at first, and I didn't want to let myself imagine it. So I blessed myself when I finally realised that I was seeing Our Lady. And I started to cry, and I said, Dear Queen of Heaven, I said, You are the Queen of Heaven. And I said, Why did you pick me? And I said, Please bless all my family. We're talking about, you know, people like you and I, our folks, our, our aunts and uncles. Seeing is believing. They believed they were seeing the Virgin Mary sway, her eyes move, uh, you know, that the stars around her head on the statue uh, starting to glow. We had reports in Limerick where, you know, hands were bleeding off on a statue or the statues were crying and mass hysteria ensued. Well, it, it did. And um, I think it was uh, people were mobile. You know, they could actually get in their cars and they would either hear or read about this. So so they there is a great curiosity in Irish people to actually see things for themselves. And obviously, you know, television and radio, they, they weren't the huge attractions that they might be today. And if you hadn't been to see one of these uh, moving statues, it was almost like today when people talk about a new Netflix series. You know, if you hadn't seen or been to the, the site, then you weren't in a position really to engage with people. And it was also, um, I think, reflecting on it, I, I think it was a kind of a soft option for a lot of Catholics. I mean, if you really wanted to suffer, you could climb Copatrick or go to Loch Derg or find, you know, many of these other really torturous things to do um, for part of your religious duties. But here you just sat in a car, you turned up at a, a moving statue and there was probably burger vans and old ladies making cups of tea for the for the masses yeah. descending on the place. It was well, this is it now, Liam. This is where the cute whores came into play because all of a sudden you have these little caravans selling the tea, selling the little prayer books, selling the rosary beads, selling the, the, the grotto burger was even invented at the time. And thanks to the crowds, business in Ballinspittle is booming. After one of the worst tourist seasons in living memory, the bars and shops are doing a trade like they've never seen before. The village centre is chock-a-block with chip vans and a new word has entered the language, the Grotto Burger. The Madonna, it seems, has brought blessings, both spiritual and material. It, this was a booming business. Oh, yeah. I mean, we once you get a, a captive audience of a crowd of 10,000, 100,000 in some cases, of course, the locals, they, there was car parking facilities, there were, you had to pay your pound or your 
uh, 10 shilling note and uh, and there were all sorts of people turning up in the hope of of turning a few bob let's face it a good opportunity never knock another person's racket as someone used to say so yeah every like it was like um there was an audience and of course they had to be fed and watered and uh, there was lots of people who would avail of the opportunity. But we had the biggie, I suppose the slain, if you like, Liam, of the moving statues in Ireland and that is Ballinaspittle. Ballinaspittle, you know, was definitely the 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 queen of them all. It, it happened around the 22nd of July and it was a long, hot summer, uh, I'm I'm pretty sure. And these two ladies praying at the um, at the at the grotto, which is on the road between um, uh, Kinsale and the village of Ballinaspittle itself, and they saw the statue moved. And for some reason, this really did take off. I mean, this got the other uh, moving statues had got a certain amount of media attention. But really, this was this was it just took on an air. This was rock star. This was Kathy Omani, one of the caretakers of Ballinspittle's shrine to the Virgin Mary, was taking her nightly walk past the grotto. She stopped with her two daughters to say a decade of the Rosary, and as they knelt in prayer, they looked up to see the statue apparently come alive. We saw different movements. To me, it is as if she was breathing, or lifelike, maybe breathing, or sighing chest movements and the other saw her hands move and you know the best reporters and were were, were uh, dispatched mm. you know from the various news organizations because there were such crowds and also to verify it for themselves uh, there was one uh, Kevin D O'Connor he was a very reputable reporter in RTE you know and he came back and said yeah, he 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 did he saw he saw the statue move it was a phenomenon and, you know, he was a very rational person. Uh, but he went on the Pat Kenny show to uh, to give this report. And, of course, the media frenzy just encouraged the the, the public to um, descend on Ballinaspittle in, in just huge, huge numbers. What were the church saying in all of this? Were they they were a little bit sheepish, weren't they, Liam? They were. I they mean, weren't they too happy knew, about this. No, this was this was something. First of all, they weren't in control of it, which you know they kind of do have control of knock and and those other apparition sites. But the moving statues was out of their out of their control. Bishop Murphy in Cork was very very. Uh, reluctant to say anything, and then he said, "Well, we just they have to be prudent and and see what happens." Direct supernatural intervention in the affairs of men is a very rare occurrence, and because of that, um, ordinary common sense would advise. Uh, caution. Um, Bishop Brendan Comiskey, who was a kind of a media-friendly priest, um, uh, he pronounced that the statue was moving, even though he actually didn't go and see it himself. But he he made this pronouncement. And there were some of the clergy said, um, you know, they were a little bit renegade and said, at least people are praying together. 
And that's what we want. So yeah. even if we don't believe the statue is moving, um, it's good for the church. But officially, the hierarchy, they were afraid of this. This was out of their control. And it was verging on the paranormal, really. And so tell me, there was a court case that year, wasn't there, Liam? Because the Ballinspittal uh, statue was actually vandalised at one point. It was, yeah. Um, three guys um, went down from Dublin. They were evangelical Christians. And they seemed to be kind of sincere, really. They, they, they read the Bible. They, they thought this was idolatry, you know, that... Um, I mean, they had a point. Oh, they did have a very valid point, <laughs> but maybe they shouldn't have gone and wrecked the statue. But um, they had a valid point, and uh, I think they got back as far as uh, in somewhere in Port Leash, and they were arrested. Because you covered this court case, I did. I was down there, and it was bizarre because they insisted on on reading the Bible, and it was a front page story. This yeah. made headlines all over the place. But the people. Because, well, it was an attack. It was seen as an attack on the whole ethos of the moving statues. And of course, Balnaspital, um, although it was the big one, it again spawned more moving statues and more sightings. I mean, I think there was one um, sighting of the Virgin Mary in the varnish of a door, and that made headlines. And so, Liam, how did it eventually all fizzle out? Because we look back on that year now, and, you know, we have a little giggle about it, and if the likes of Father Ted and Derry Girls, you know, poking a bit of fun at it, and it's great, and we all laugh along, but how did it all eventually kind of finish up? Well, first of all, it, it, it seems that, you know, in many of these cases, people who actually believed they saw the statue move were looking at it with the sun behind the statue. And this was creating a kind of an optical illusion that you would actually believe um, that the statue was moving. And psychologists from Cork went around, they investigated 31 different apparitions in their quest to, to unravel the mystery. But it, 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 this shimmering effect was caused mostly by the very strong sun. So as the summer ended and, you know, autumn came, the weather changed. And I suppose there was a certain fatigue set in because with 31 different moving statues, you know, it was hard for people to get around them all. So eventually... It was kind of overkill. Gradually, it, you know, the crowds receded. And, and of course, the media moved on and, the, you know, or moves on as it does. And um, there, were, there were plenty of other stories and scandals unfolding or about to unfold. And it's, it's now regarded as something of a culture cringe. But you know what? It's our culture cringe. Ah, yeah. And it was great fun at the time. It was harmless. I'm sure some people made fortunes out of it. And I think a few people 
like those Marian uh, statues, they're still in housing estates all over the country. And you still see people putting flowers in front of them. And occasionally you'll see, you know, a couple of usually older people praying in front of them. So I think uh, it was. It was a cultural moment. And I think everybody kind of fell in with it because it was it was semi-entertainment, but it also had a significance that we didn't understand. And I suppose it was a more innocent age, really, 1985. And my thanks to Liam Collins for joining me today. I'm Siobhan McGuire, and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced and researched by myself with sound by John Smith. Archive clips from RTE News, RTE's This Week, The Late Late Show, BBC's Newsweek, Live Aid, ABC News and Independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review. This podcast was edited on the 18th of November 2022.